0: You are listening to Accents. I am your host, Katerina Stoykova, and with me is artist, writer, and creativity coach, Renee Rigdan. Hi, Renee. Hi, Katerina. I would like to start our conversation with your relationship to creativity, your relationship with creativity. Please speak about your role as a creativity coach.
1: Okay. So creativity and me, I would say we have a very, I would like to say symbiotic relationship, but it quite possibly is codependent. I, (laughs) I need my creativity and I make sure my creativity is well-kept and my creativity needs me to express it and it makes sure that I am well-kept. As a creative creativity coach, what I'm largely trying to do is make sure that people understand they have a right to their creativity. I consider creativity to be a baseline human right that we teach ourselves we don't need or that we don't deserve or that we're not good enough for. So everything that I do in my work is to try to bring that back to people.
0: So what do most creatives need help with?
1: I think permission. I would say most people are worried about breaking these rules that don't actually exist but that we tell ourselves. You have to be a certain amount of good at something. You have to be a certain amount of confident at something. You have to be able to talk about it in or the right way and know the right people. And all of these things are just things that we're telling ourselves when really we just have permission to get in there and mess stuff up.
0: What's the worst that can happen, right?
1: Yeah, you tell yourself, if you don't explore that question, you tell yourself that you're going to be shunned by society and rejected and mocked and thrown. people will throw eggs at you in the street. And really the worst thing that can happen is you spend 30 minutes doing something that you absolutely loved doing and didn't get maybe the results you
0: wanted. So what do you tell your clients? Um,
1: often where we start is by making ugly art because a lot of what I see when people come in to spend time with me is perfectionism. So to kind of show perfectionism its place in our life, because it does have a place in our life, I try to encourage people to make the ugliest thing they can possibly manage to make. Write a terrible poem, we do a lot of needle felting classes, and I will encourage them to make the least attractive little critter they possibly can. And usually that kind of helps unlock this play that we all have to have.
0: So flipping the script on expectations. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I I do think that we probably all expect that we're going to make something beautiful and that we should strive to make something beautiful. And that doesn't doesn't actually have to be our goal at all.
0: And what do you tell yourself? Do you tell yourself the same thing? (laughs) Well,
1: this is a do-as-I-say-and-not-as-I-do situation. Um, I have gotten a lot better at it. I, I won't lie. A lot of that is therapy has helped me get a lot better at that. But I I try to let myself sit with the grace of knowing it's okay to just put some words on a page.
0: It's okay also to say, okay, I'm just going to spend the time staring at the page. Oh, yeah. That's productive. Yeah. I once I was at um, Jaipur Literature Festival, that was 2015, and I was listening to um, someone, I don't remember his name, but a writer, with famous writer, apparently with a famous book, and he was talking about his process, and he described it as, I quote, chewing stones, <laughs> that it was so difficult to write it, and that he knew that if he stopped, he would not continue he would stop forever so he would lock himself in the closet and he would write well he would spend I don't know was it four hours or six hours a day there in the closet he was allowed to sit there and do nothing but he was not allowed to do other things during that time what do you think of that
1: I it sounds like it was very successful for this particular writer and that's wonderful I have found that better results happen for me when I allow pleasure to be a part of the process. I I, suffering for my art is something that I don't, I don't have the mental bandwidth to do that anymore.
0: Suffering for one's art and from one's (laughs) art sounds like
1: that's when the relationship gets codependent rather than symbiotic.
0: (laughs) How do we figure pleasure in our creative process
1: that I think can be very different for different people something that's been going around a lot over the past few years is this idea of glimmers I don't know if you're familiar with this but a trigger is something that upsets you in some way and a glimmer is the opposite it's the thing that you find joy and comfort and glimmery little sparkly light in. and I think a good first step for people can be to kind of drop into their body and in their present moment while they're in the middle of their creative activity and saying, what about this am I finding pleasurable right now? Do I like the words that I've put out there or the colors that I'm using? Or do I like even just how my body is positioned and the coffee I'm drinking right now? Just finding those little moments of pleasure in what you're doing and then finding a way to underline that and enforce that and bring more to you
0: what is creative reuse?
1: Creative reuse is absolutely my biggest passion right now. We're lucky enough here in Lexington, Kentucky to have a creative reuse center where people can donate supplies and materials that they no longer have a use for in their lives and no longer love and find something that they love more. Creative reuse is this opportunity to take what exists in the world as someone else's trash and turn it into your own little wonderful treasure. And that's it sparks creativity across every potential genre.
0: Isn't writing, in a way, creative reuse?
1: You know, if you are doing it the right way where, you know, decent artists borrow and great artists steal, then yes.
0: All, also your own words. Yeah. And also all words are somewhere in a dictionary, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's true. Yeah, if you really
1: break it down on that granular level, nobody, nobody has not used all the letters and all the combinations. So we're, in a way, kind of hacking and recreating the world as we see it through existing materials
0: so you are my guest today because you won the local accents poetry contest congratulations
1: thank you thank you
0: can you please read us your award-winning poem
1: i can do that the title of this poem is thoughts and thoughts and prayers are fragile things best met by perfect pitch and slope from the sunny window slaked by rainwater sacred and wild caught Answered wrong, a prayer withers into loose fists lost. Prayers are best fed by freedom. In 2023, there are more than 350 pieces of legislation that have asked of me to never exist. They prefer I would be what I think I am, to return to smallness, prune back this new growth that I know is mine. But if I died out, they'd be fine with that too. Please don't take this from me. I cherish this version of myself that splays open their palms to the morning light, red-veined, plaintive, full. Prayers are fragile things and I am not so prayerful to think I am enough. I am not a fighter. I am bluster and bravado. I am trying to believe that I can help anyone anything survive this I am curled into loose fists held high begging not to use them pleading for a gentler kind of
0: rain I absolutely love your poem and thank you so much I happen to know that you are writing um oh you've been working on a full-length poetry collection tell us more
1: so the my full-length poetry collection is called Plant Daddy. It is an exploration of my gender identity and my place in this world as described through plants that I find around my house and in my yard because I'm an incorrigible plant parent.
0: What are some of your favorite plants?
1: Oh, um, you see a lot of them represented in the book. Um... This, the prayer plant poem from, that I read today, prayer plants are beautiful because they really do, as the light changes throughout the day, their leaves shift and fall into hands that pray and then pull back from that motion throughout the day. It's just such an, I mean, I know plants are alive, but it's such a sentient, alive thing to do that I really admire that. And spider plants because they off-put all these wonderful little babies that you can share with friends there's I I can talk about plants forever basically
0: I am partial to the plants that can live without soil you know that can live in water Mm -hmm. uh, and so they can be transferred from one place to another maybe that has to do with me being an immigrant. Who knows?
1: <laughs> well, pothos is the plant for you. It can grow in soil. It can grow in water. It can survive months and months of neglect if you feel like neglecting it a bit.
0: <laughs> or if I'm traveling. Yeah, or
1: if you're yeah. traveling. And they also make great propagation babies to give to people. It's, a, it's the most wonderful gift to be able to give.
0: Well, thank you. Follow us for more advice, right? <laughs> Please read us a bit from your book, like a couple of poems
1: okay this one is called bright indirect light you have every right to this perfect sunny spot decked decadent in warm soil and nutrient and moisture measurements met here on this quiet sill light spills gentle through each verdant velvet tendril some as long as a lifetime some snip short to save you from that which was done or undone or never done but should have been and even so you are still so completely intact you are still here you are sacred and you are seen you are safe
0: lovely please read us another okay
1: trailhead to a parallel world in some universe somewhere we can be anything so i am a path through these woods and you you are the signs marked into the path we are guiding the hikers and the travelers and the families and the loners together the sunlight dances across our features warm no one is lost no one is ever
0: lost thank you Renee how far along are you with your book
1: It is in various stages of done, thanks to attending a wonderful poetry book boot camp for the first half of this year with the lovely Katerina. I was able to really refine and tighten that up into a place where I am actively submitting it, but it also changes a little bit here and there. I'll add a poem or move it around or send a slightly different version, but it's... I'm actually very happy with it. It feels weird to say it. I feel like as creatives, we're discouraged from being actively and loudly proud of the work
0: we do. Oh, that's a glimmer. Yes, but it's a glimmer to realize
1: (laughs) that I look at these words and I see myself in them, and I think other people will be able to see themselves as
0: well. Absolutely. How about your fiction?
1: My fiction has been kind of hanging out on that back burner. I, for the past few years, while my life has been going through this period of transformation, I've felt more drawn to speaking truths very plainly and my fiction, even though I feel like fiction can be an amazing place to tell the truth, it's not right now a place where I can find
0: that truth. I have found that poetry is a better container for strong emotions in small spaces absolutely that's what it sounds like you're after right now Mm -hmm. yeah and and
1: you're absolutely right that poetry poetry is strong enough to hold big feelings in a way that you don't have to you don't have to protect poetry from your feelings I think longer form writing sometimes you have to do a lot of caretaking of that work to make sure it's not overburdened by those feelings. But poetry, it can hold it all. It's very strong.
0: I have a question that I ask all my guests who teach creative writing or anything creative, and that is, what is the most important thing you teach your students? If there is one thing that you want them to remember from your class, what is it? Hmm. I would say if you
1: get down to the very base of it, what I want everyone to feel is just that they have the right to it. You you have the right to this work. You have the right to spend time with the work you are doing. You have the right to ask for help, to be able to tell the work in a better way. You have the right to be like, I don't really want help right now. I just want to get in here and play and do my thing.
0: You just have the right to get in there. So you have the right. What about obligation? What do we owe our work? That's a really
1: interesting question that I really have never thought about before. I have been on this journey of trying to understand that I don't owe anybody nearly what I thought I owed them over time. So my gut reaction from the place I am right now is to say you don't owe the work anything, but I, think that you owe yourself the work. Like the, the work is not there to judge you, the work is there to help you transform into the next iteration of yourself. So you're the only person that you're cutting off at the knees by not doing the work.
0: Thank you so much, Renee. really appreciate you coming here and talking to me about creativity, reading, your poem and speaking about your fiction and what we tell ourselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was, was so fun.